0: I think when you talk to someone who's done it and they've experienced some failures or even some wins, that's where you learn uh, most of your knowledge.
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Shum and in this episode, we're back with the founder and director of JD Capital, Jai Kao. He will explore the value of his strategies including cosmetic renovations, buying properties for land value and investing interstate. As well as this, Kao will also share how he invested into his fitness business using equity from his property investments. In our previous conversation with Kao, we explored his property investment journey. Now, let's delve into the strategies that he uses including renovations.
0: I've only been able to do it on two properties so far um, and the ones that are in Sydney only because of of being um, in the physical location. I I definitely do intend on renovating properties um, that I hold elsewhere Um, and the main reason that I buy houses now is because I want to be able to add value and do improvements what I realized with the apartments is only limited to things you can do. Usually just limited to internal, right? But I can tell you just from doing internal cosmetic renovations um, and what I did for the North Sydney and I've got another apartment in Brighton, La Sands. So these two apartments, I did some cosmetic renos. The total renovation spend for both of them was around just under 10,000 each. And so basically, basically what I did was complete revamp. So fresh paint um, all out. Um, new lighting fixtures changed or changed kind of the oyster lights into downlights, LED downlights. lights, um, changed the blinds into Venetian blinds or shutter blinds, um, floorboards. So ripped out the carpet, old carpet and just put down those floating floorboards, um, did some basic kitchen stuff. Just changing fixtures, changing bench tops, slash backs, which are all DIY. Most of it's all DIY through Bunnings, right? So a lot of this stuff. It's, it's quite simple to do or I could just outsource to, you know, like a not even a builder because you can just probably get like a tradesman to do a lot of these stuff. Yeah, so it won't cost you too much money. Whereas if you go pay a builder to do this stuff, it probably would cost like, you know, 30, 40K. So around 10K all up, including labor for the spend um, and the property just transforms itself. Like if you look at the photos of some of the properties that I've been able to renovate, like really, really ugly kind of apartments and they're now looking quite modern inside. And from that, I was able to increase not only the equity but also increase the rent. So that increases your cash flow and rental yield.
1: Another strategy that Ko sticks to is buying properties with good land value. So most of the houses I'm looking at have, have minimum
0: five to 600 square meters of land because I've learned that land value is what appreciates over time um, fastest and we can see that houses have have overperformed compared to apartments. So, the first two properties I bought were apartments. So, um, now that I've, I've you know, got this learning, I'm just really focusing on houses. And for areas, look, I'm not really too stuck on which area it is. Usually what I like to do is I kind of just like to research a particular area and I just study it for a while and I just look at the house prices in that area and see what neighboring suburbs are doing too. Because one thing I like to look at is pricing disparity. If, some, if a particular house is cheaper, than another house, particularly if it's unrenovated. And let's say you could buy a you know four bedroom house in um, Chatswood, right? Let's just let's say it's uh, five hundred thousand, right? Unrenovated. But then you found the same house, four bedroom, on the same street that's worth eight hundred k. So there's a three hundred k disparity there, right? Most likely just because it's renovated. So if i can to go in, buy that house, do a renovation, that's then going to give it a a. a big uplift. So, for me, I'm not too hung on the area as long as where the numbers work. Like, if if I can add value to it and if the rental income is covering more than the repayments of the property and the holding costs, then to me, it makes sense because I'm going to hold that property for quite a long time.
1: These strategies allow for Ko to achieve his why in property investment. The
0: why is really just to be financially independent and not have to worry about money. Um, Yeah, for me, I remember seeing my parents work so hard, like they were saving every single dollar and I can just see that they're they're so frugal. They'll never spend, you know, things on themselves. I remember like comparing myself to other kids, like they were able to go, you know, always buy new toys or, or go out on family holidays and just do a lot. Um, whereas our family was just very, very focused on saving. and I just watched my parents save a lot of their money and they weren't very, they weren't very aggressive with investing. Besides the property that they bought in um, Linfield, they didn't invest in anything else. So I always wanted to kind of take money off the table. Um, I don't really have like a specific like number that I need to target. It's just for me. just I just want to be financially independent to the point where you know I don't have to really, Worry about um, about money and just being able to have freedom. Just to, and that doesn't doesn't mean to live a lavish lifestyle. It just means to, you know, maybe for a year I might might want to take some time off and just go travel, you know, explore the world and not have to worry about working or have to worry about you know a boss knocking at my door saying come back to work.
1: In order to achieve his why, Kay also declares to do something that many investors won't investing into state. Remember
0: at the time. Like not many people I knew were buying interstate it, it, borderless investing wasn't really a big thing back then. People were worried that like they're like "Oh, people kept telling you don't buy something you can't see, don't buy sight unseen. I remember I had an argument with my dad because I wanted to buy in Queensland. He was telling me it would be such a bad investment. He's like, you can't see the property. What if there's, an, what if there's something you need to go fix? And I just argued with him because I said, look, like the numbers work and you know, let, let me try this. And and we just kept arguing back and forth about it. In the end, I said, you know, it's I'm going to do what I'm going to do. It's, it's, it's my money. So, I'm going to make that decision. If it fails, it fails. I'll take ownership. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the real trigger for me was I just at that time, Sydney was moving quite a lot and I just couldn't afford to get back into the Sydney market and I wanted some exposure. So, I was going to a lot of property seminars and I end up meeting a buyer's agent at the time and they were buying a lot in Queensland. So I sat down with her and she kind of talked me through the rationale behind why they're buying in Queensland, showing me some of the purchases that they bought, some of the figures, and I started to become a lot more comfortable. For me, the good thing was I wasn't really emotionally invested in the actual physical property itself. I I knew talking to people that was the the one learning that most people say is just, you know, do not be emotionally invested in a property that you're not going to live in. So, I took that learning and just thought, okay, well, if the numbers work and it's, you know, the location seems to stack up all of the criteria, it was kind of ticking all the boxes. Like, it was not far from a capital city, it wasn't too far from the water, local amenities, schools, it, it ticked all the right boxes. So I was thinking, you know, long term, how bad could it be? If it fails, how bad how bad is it really going to be? So, yeah, I took that kind of leap of faith to, to decide and, and buy something interstate, on which I'm really glad I did.
1: Hey, I bought this property sight unseen but still made some precautions.
0: We did a building and pest inspection. We took a lot of photos I was comfortable with it. But when it settled, we actually went over because I wanted to see what it was like. And then I remember spending a good two days just cleaning the property up because it it was vacant for a while so the garden was really messy. I even bought my dad over so he can actually go see the property on my dad. It's a physical property here. You can now see the property. (laughs) And then when he got there, he's like, okay, yeah, it's not too bad.
1: Although Kerr's dad had some concerns about the property, he still showed his support. He loves
0: doing gardening and, and all the house kind of stuff. So we he ended up bringing some tools, and he had some he had a good family friend that lives in Queensland. So we ended up borrowing some tools off him for the garden. But yeah, we spent quite a lot lot of time just pulling out weeds and just mowing uh,
1: mowing the, the lawn. After cleaning up the property, it got rented out.
0: The vacancy rate at the time in Queensland was was not as not as great as now. It was um, taking a bit longer to rent out so I think it took just over a month.
1: The success of this investment egged on ko to make a second purchase in Queensland but this time with a little bit of help. Simon
0: did help us buy a property in Kalanga. I think the purchase price was 500000 and we just got a valuation for that a couple of weeks ago and it came back at 700000 which is incredible like I think less than six months, 200k in equity. Yeah, so that one's actually um, bought for Danica. So Danica is my partner. So she started starting to build her property portfolio. So we we have a combined portfolio of, um, around 10 properties, but we have it in separate names. But we kind of help each other out. So she was wanting to look for a property, and I I just met Simon, and we started connecting. And then I said to Simon, Look, we want to we want to try and get back into the Queensland market. Can you help us out? Um, and so he was just looking around and he found us a really good deal. And our brief to him was kind of quite simple. We just want something that can hold long-term, low maintenance, um, good cash flow, um, and, yeah, kind of a, you know, good good location. So he came to us with the Kalanga property. And I'd seen a lot of my clients also buying around that Kalanga, Morton Bay area. So I could see there was a lot of growth. So I knew, I knew the figures and the fundamentals were strong. So it was a high-set property, um, which is generally worth a little bit more Um, because you've got the downstairs with the car space and then you've got the upstairs. So, it was a low maintenance, very well maintained. I think the couple that lived there were quite old and they were retiring and moving out. So, it was very well maintained for an older style building. Um, And I think they even created a separate room downstairs. So, it was kind of like a little rumpus room. So, really good layout. I think it would really attract uh, families. Um, So, we bought that for 500K off market as well. And it ended up renting out for I think just a tad over five hundred dollars a week, and rented out very quickly. I remember the first inspection, there was, I think, sixteen groups of people. Yeah, yeah, big demand, and I was I was just quite surprised how quickly it rented out. There's so much demand, and it just yeah, first 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 open inspection, there was three or four applications already.
1: Coming up after the break, Kale will delve into owning a second business.
0: I've always wanted to get into business or do something um, business related.
1: He will share the resources that he uses to achieve success.
0: Um, But in terms of like specific resources, I think over the last year or two, definitely been listening to a lot of podcasts.
1: We'll delve into what he is excited for in the future.
0: I'm really excited to grow JD Capital.
1: And that's next. I'm Taran Sharma and you're listening to Property Investory. Five months later, the development was refinanced and we received our funds back with interest. Yes, there are amazing opportunities in the property market like this one. So do you want to get a better return with lower risk on your money? Then register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. As well as properties, KO has also invested into a second business.
0: It was a really good opportunity that, that came by. So when I was working at Optus, I I I feel like I've got a quite an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit. I've always wanted to get into business or do something um, business related, and I, I was starting to get frustrated at work just because I didn't really like what I was doing in my in my job, um, and I just wanted to look at different avenues, different opportunities. And I thought, okay, what if I start a business but still do that as a uh, on the side as a side hustle because I didn't want to just jump. Jump in and, and go all out and risk, you know, a, a nine to five, having a, a decent salary at the time. So I thought, how can I leverage a decent salary that I was on to then invest that into another, I guess, another um, business or asset that gives me gives me, um, you know, another income stream. So I was quite into fitness at the time, so I thought, okay, kind of toyed the idea of buying a gym, and I started looking into the cost of um, building a gym or or buying a franchise. So I looked at a few different options. I remember looking into like anytime fitness, but I realized quite quickly it's a very expensive business model or something like that because you're buying a lot of equipment and equipment. You need a lot of maintenance and over time it wears out, right? So you got to buy new equipment. So you're constantly upgrading equipment. So I felt okay. Well, that's that's too expensive. I remember looking at into it at the time, and the and the entry cost was you know more than five hundred or six hundred thousand dollars. So quite expensive business to get in as a first business. Um, and then a colleague of mine, his name's Peter. So he also worked in marketing at Optus, and he owned an F forty five franchise while still working full time. And I was like, how is this guy doing it? Like he runs a business. And he's still working his full-time job. I'm like, this is the best of both worlds. Yeah, I was like, this is amazing. And everyone knew it. Everyone knew him. He was very like famous for that. Everyone's like, yeah, this guy runs a gym and he's like, you know, very fit guy. And so, I decided to set up a coffee catch up with him. And I just asked him how he does it. How is it possible? Like talk to me a little bit more about, you know, the business model. And I remember just... The entry cost into F45 was quite low because there isn't too much equipment. It's more class-based. So, it's really reliant on having, you know, members and um, the margins are a bit higher because it's more around it's more around class training and hit training. Um, and so, I looked into the business model for that. I think the entry cost was around 150000 So, much lower compared to an anytime business. Um, and then so, I looked into the numbers and it just really made sense and I really wanted to try it. So, I remember talking to Peter about it and he said, look, if you're really interested, why don't we just go 50-50 into, uh, into a, a franchise? And I said, okay, that would be amazing. You've got the experience. You obviously, you've, you've run one, so you know what you're doing. I will, I will come in, help out um, and kind of just, you know, do, do as much as I can whilst working full time. And for a while, we kind of just sat, sat on it for a little bit because there wasn't any F45s available for sale. Like they were already purchased, and each territory kind of had their own, so there just there weren't any new ones to open up. So I kind of just left. I kind of just left it, and then I remember very clearly. I got a call just after New Year's Eve one day, and because uh, I inquired about it on F45 website online, and I put my my expression of interest, and this guy gave me a call, and he said, "Oh, I'm looking to sell my F45 franchise in Chatswood." And I was like, I was like, no way, like I I, I've been living around that area for so long, I know the area so well. And he he wanted to get out of the business because he wanted to get into real estate. So it was yeah, it was very funny. So I was just like, you know what, like I would be really interested in this opportunity. And so had a chat to Peter and we just moved very quickly on it. And that's kind of how it happened.
1: To be able to invest into this business, Kyle used some savings and some equity from his properties.
0: We've had it for just over four years now. The first few years honestly was very, very hard because one, we're both working full-time. We're trying to earn a salary to cover our, you know, cover our costs, operating costs. So we hired um, trainers, we hired a manager to run it day-to-day. So we were more focused on the, I guess, the operations or the management side of things. Um, I was more looking after the financial side of things and kind of back end. Um, but it was very hard because we bought into a business that was underperforming. It, it, it was it was barely just breaking. It was barely breaking even um, the customer retention was really poor because it didn't really have a rep- good reputation. I think is because the previous owner wasn't very active in the business. So when we took over, we had the keys handed over on paper. It looked really good but then what we didn't realize was that there was a lot of unhappy clients. They wanted to cancel. And so basically on on day 1, we're just like crap there's like 20 people that wanted to cancel. But you don't you don't see this on the financials, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes. And so we didn't we didn't know any of this and I guess we didn't know better to look for these signs or maybe have asked better questions. So this is a, a very good learning for businesses. You know, you need to look at different metrics, not just financials, like customer retention is a really, really big one, especially when the business is you know, largely made of clients. So very quickly, our numbers just tanked because a lot of unhappy clients and we, we really had to focus on changing the team because the trainers who work there just weren't really good. So, we had to rehire, restart up the team, rebuild the reputation in Chatswood. And that takes a long time. It's not something that you can just build overnight. So, we focus a lot of our efforts on marketing, um, attracting new people into the gym, getting new trainers, upskilling them. So, a lot of work, a lot of hard work. Um, And then unfortunately, we had COVID just over the last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was it was hard, honestly, just because, you know, gyms were hit quite hard, right? Because we, we couldn't open, we were very limited to running just outdoor style training. But that, you know, is uh, again, very limited to what you can do. So, for almost two years, we kind of just sat, sat there. We couldn't really do too much with the gym. So, now that everything's kind of resumed, normal trading, we're, we're picking back up again.
1: and his business partner have the goal to put in as much effort as possible and make their business a success.
0: I do want to give it a red hot crack and you know now that we've kind of put COVID behind us, hopefully fingers crossed, really try and just build it back up to where it used to be because we did at peak hit around I think around 150, 160 members which is quite good for us for a small gym. So definitely has potential and I think if we look at what's been happening over the last two years, people do value their health and fitness a lot. So I, I do truly believe people always have a place to go to a gym and they want to be able to, to train. And the great thing about F45, um, I find is that you build communities, you build friendships, and a lot of people are like the same faces you see every day. Right. And so it's kind of like having an accountability partner. So I feel like it's a really it's a, it's a really good type of business because you get to meet a lot of people and you get to also help people very similar to Mortgage Broking. We help them build their portfolios, but in fitness, you kind of help someone build better health and, and fitness habits over time. So, it's definitely something I want to try and give it a red hot crack, try and get it to the next level. Um, for me, I'm really focused on just personal development and business and I, and I really want to try and excel in these areas. So, yeah, hopefully we can try and get it to a new level over the next year or two.
1: In various aspects of life, Kale has also achieved great success. Let's take a look at what resources he used along his journey. I think
0: back then there weren't many like I remember years ago before you know the whole social media, there weren't that many podcasts and there just wasn't as much resource. At the time, honestly, I didn't have that much and I didn't didn't read too much so it it was more for, it was more going to property seminars where I met people and was talking to other investors. That's where I got the most amount of knowledge. So I think when you talk to someone who's done it and they've experienced some failures or even some wins, that's where you learn uh, most of your knowledge. Um, But in terms of like specific resources, I think over the last year or two, definitely been listening to a lot of podcasts, so Property Investory for sure has 100% been really good. Um, um, I've also been, I almost came across Rich Dad Poor Dad, which you probably would know Robert Kiyosaki. His book just completely changed my mindset around money, um, you know, he talks a lot about like liabilities and income and cash flow. He actually has another book called Cash Flow Quadrant, which I think is a very good book, just understanding cash inflows and outflows and how that can help you build wealth. So, that was a really uh, a good read for me in terms of business, applying that to business and also personal investment. Um, and then I watch a lot of YouTube as well. So, yeah, I, I, I watch a lot of different um, stuff out there but kind of sometimes you have to take a bit of a grain of salt right just because people are trying to sell you things too. So, I think the, the best resource for me is talking to investors, other investors.
1: For Ko, he learns a lot from other people's experiences and is very thankful for his mentor.
0: I'm very grateful that he agreed to take me on because I remember he was um, very busy and just about to have a baby as well. So, I think I was just really, really grateful that he actually agreed to because it's, it's definitely not easy um, working in your own business and trying to mentor someone, you know, from scratch too. So, yeah, I, I just said to him, you know, at the time, I really want to try and get into mortgage broking and um, he has a really good network of people as well because he's, he's also mentored, I think, quite a lot um, of other new brokers. So, we've got a really good community um, that we all kind of leverage off each other. So, uh, when I first started my mortgage broking business, I ended up moving into an office in the city with uh, two other brokers and so, we just every day shared learnings. Um, I was able to listen to how they were talking to clients um, and just how they interact with people as well. So, that was a massive learning curve. That first year just really helped me just build up that business.
1: If Kale was able to speak to himself 10 years ago, he would pass on the lessons he learned from his own journey.
0: I would definitely say take more risks and be uncomfortable. I think I got too comfortable for many years, especially during my corporate years at Optus. Probably three years just being too comfortable in the same role, right? That's three years of growth that I missed out on. So yeah, I look back, I'm like there were many years that I kind of think I just wasted just because I was too comfortable. I was happy, not happy but like content. And you just didn't push yourself harder. And I think if you I really do believe the, the more upfront work you do in the early stages, it's like the foundation, right? The more upfront work you do, it's going to compound into your later years. It's the same as investing, right? You, you you have much larger compounding when you get to the later decades. Same, same kind of concept. So I think if I worked not worked harder, but like if I took a bit more risk, um, put myself in you know, uncomfortable positions take calculator risks then I would have probably uh, been able to see a lot of different
1: or more opportunities. On the other side of the spectrum, Ko is very excited about his future.
0: I'm really excited to grow JD Capital. So, this year or last year, we've actually been like growing at a very very fast rate um, and we've been able to connect with so many different people. um, A lot of people from different states as well. Um, I've personally been traveling to Perth and also Darwin. Um, recently because Danica, my partner, she, she works in um, defense. So she travels around for work. So I've had the pleasure to kind of move around Australia. And the great thing about that is I get to see more real estate, right? More opportunities. So that's also kind of how I got into the Perth market. I was like, Perth is actually quite an amazing area and it just opens up a lot of opportunity. So I'm just really excited to travel a little bit more again, um, see more of Australia, meet more people. Um, and help people build their wealth journey because I think wealth is a, is a conversation that was, you know, a traditionally quite a taboo subject but if we talk more openly about it, it, it can be an everyday conversation.
1: When it comes to building success, Cale pushes the value of hard work and thinks that luck only has a small role to play.
0: I would say 80% hard work and 20% luck. And the reason why I say 80% hard work is if you don't put in the work, it won't happen. So it really has to come from your initiative to take action. And I find if you just take action, even if you make a mistake, if you consistently take action over time, you will end up getting further than not doing anything. Um, 20% luck. I say that because there are so many factors we can't control, right? Like we we don't know if the market's going to go up or down. Like. I bought into the city market, not knowing it was gonna keep booming. It, it boomed, which is great. Same as Queensland. I didn't expect Queensland was gonna go through such an incredible growth period last year. No one no one knew house prices were gonna increase 22% last year. Right, So I think there was a bit of luck last year too, but it doesn't happen if you don't take the opportunity.
1: Thank you to Jai Ko, our guest on this special episode of Property Invest Story. If you love the show, perhaps you are now ready to invest your money in a low risk, high return deal. If you are, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a lender. There are amazing opportunities in the property market right now. And I'm looking for lenders who want to invest their money for as short as 6 months. What are you waiting for? Don't let your money just sit in the bank. To register your interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040. 88 1040.